Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 25th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, doing all right. How about you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Adjusting to the new the new world, the new world that we live in. So the new norm. The new norm. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of golf golf uh, news here before we jump into a lengthy Olymp- Olympics postponed. Olympics postponed. Justin Rose's watch is disappointed. Did you see that? We had multiple people DM us. You have to talk about this. Justin Rose used the occasion of the Olympics. And I've always thought Rose's his social media approach is very weird. Like he has he calls all his followers Team Rose as if like it's got these legions of people just he's leading. How about how he capital, every word. capitalizes every letter of his last name? What? <laughs> yeah. Like the tour? Yeah, and the players and things uh-huh. like that. I never noticed that. It's Justin Rose. <laughs> really? It capitalized, all capitalized. Team Rose. Well, he used the occasion of the Olympics being postponed to pimp some Hublot watch that he got, and clearly he's obviously like some sort of Hublot brand ambassador. But it's a close-up of his watch, just really grotesque, in my opinion. But that's. I don't know. At some point, you have to stop using the social media brand activations, which, by the way, Bixby Coffee, 10% off right now. Yeah, we, we activated the brand yesterday. For a good reason, though. <laughs> We're not using the Olympics postponement <laughs> to do that. But no, they wanted us to let you guys know Bixby is 10% off everything on their website. What's the promo code? There is no promo code. I, I think, think there's a 10%. promo code. There's a promo there code. Yeah. This is how much we're up, up to speed on this. We're, there's we're a promo act- code? We're activating here. Yeah, there's a promo code. There's pre- there is? Yeah, there's a... Use the code PREVAIL. P-R-E-V-A-I-L. P-R-E-V-A-I-L. So that's 10% off everything on the website. Including just- Shotgun Start Coffee. Shotgun Start Coffee. So there you go. 10% off cups, mugs, shirts, other things like that. They, we had one listener say it's their favorite mug. They have a Bixby mug. And they want us to make a Shotgun Start one. Which you can put a sticker one. over the Bixby one. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep it Bixby. All right, other golf news. Anything else? Olympics postponed? I, I don't really have anything else. One person asked us for book recommendations. Golf book recommendations. Do you have one off the top of your head? Emery Barn on, on Instagram asked us that. I mean the uh, the Armin uh, uh, Tiger book. Uh, Katane and Jeff yeah. Benedict book on Tiger. 
That one's so good. If you're and you have a you have a million architecture books as well. I got a million architecture. Website. Yeah, I, you have I, re- links on your website, right? A yeah. good cheap one's the Donald Ross one. That's a good a good one. I always forget about. A book I would recommend is, I don't know, The Son of the Game. James Dodson got me back into golf a little bit when I was like in my early twenties and not really into it, not playing much at all, and didn't. I don't know. It's not my. I'm not saying it's the best book I ever read, but it's it's a good book, and it's one book I would recommend. James Dodson, a son of the game. James uh, Dodson. All right, I don't have anything else on, on news. Should we do a new sponsor, old sponsor, back again? Back again, timely sponsor. Rucket is back in business with us. Uh, you know, they you remember them from around the holidays. We uh, apparently they got a good response. We've been talking to them since what the end of the year mm-hmm. and they're back on board they will be with us we have our own our own uh promo code for them right sgs 15 so rocket they make like all kinds of sporting goods like nets and and training equipment for all types of sports they got they got putting greens they got hitting mats they got chipping nets they got um nets that you can hit full shots into they've got it all and then they got basketball they got soccer they got uh, lacrosse they got everything and and right now it's kind of like everybody's looking for things to do i've got a, a net that's on its way i've set it up in my backyard i'm gonna be hitting balls there because i can't go to a driving range they are indoor and outdoor nets uh for indoor outdoor use if you have the indoor space for it obviously um i put mine up this weekend uh, i have the hack uh net with like tri-turf mat and like this is the most dad response ever, but like honestly, it was great. It's not, everything we've had. We, we I have a soccer goal too. Like it's all very. It's much higher quality than the stuff I bought at Dick's, which broke like after a year. Um, uh, the most dad response, most dad insight I can give you is that it took like less than three minutes for me to break it down and throw. They give you this giant duffel bag, carry bag, and throw everything in there, and it was gone. Like, it's great. You set it up. You have this portable driving range in your backyard. We're all confined to our backyards, most of us right now. Um, I, I am an idiot, as I've often let you guys know. Uh, and it took me only a few minutes to put up and, like, I'd say less than, like, three minutes to break down. I went into it kind of daunted. Like, I didn't want to clean up the yard. I thought I was going to be out there forever breaking it down. And it was just down and in this duffel bag right away. So easy to assemble and disassemble which is a high uh, mark for this dad that often takes hours to put together dollhouses and other shit like that. So the promo code is SGS15. You get uh, 15% off orders over $100 or more. So rucket.com, it's R-U-K-K-E-T. Uh, it's a good backyard activity, whether that's lacrosse, baseball, golf. Lifetime warranties too. Lifetime warranties. Indoor, outdoor use, products for every club in your bag, and just kind of a way to get outside right now. So, rucket.com. All right, let's get to uh, Sean Martin and David Duvall. This is a fun, weaving conversation on some of the personal struggles of Duvall. Obviously, his rise to superstardom, his fall a little bit, and kind of that amazing four-year stretch where he was number one in the world in fact and and really push tiger so all right let's get to i Sean. think i think go we, ahead you know i think i'm gonna have to lay out 
what I'm talking about because, you know, too much slander about my Hall of Fame terms. All right. Well, well, let's do that on Friday. Okay. All right. Let's get to Sean. All right. We now welcome in Sean Martin of PGATour.com. Sean, what's your title again? Senior something or occasional writer, contributor? What What is your title? Uh, David Duvall, Hall of Fame lobbyist. <laughs> is he not in the Hall of Fame? No. Oh my if God. I have anything to do with it, by the well, end of this episode, t- we, we is he can, eligible yet? We can talk about this right off the top when we get it. When we get in, what's your the, title? Senior editor. Senior editor. Senior yeah. editor. Every John time, Martin. Every time we talk to you, you got a new title. It's no, just, it's it's been the same one for a while. <laughs> PGAtour.com. Sean's a uh, fam- familiar and friendly face around here. Uh, did you request, is Andy uh, framing that correctly? Did you request to be a part of this Duval conversation? I, I want to say that I did, just like I requested to be part of the b- upcoming Bobby Clampett conversation. Okay, well, either way, the, 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 the conversation will be made much more uh, enlightening and enriching because of it. So he joined far fewer st- uh, errors. Maybe. Yes. We'll live see. live accountability. The errors will still exist. There'll just be, yeah, accountability. But um, glaring Mark O'Meara error yesterday. So, no. What was that? What was the O'Meara error? Said the, the only continent on which he did not win. Uh, oh, get, get, out, get out of here with Antarctica. The inhabited <laughs> by golf course continents. Um, all right. Uh, so the SGS spotlight today, David Duvall, one, one that could really be multiple episodes just i i i feel like i researched probably the tip of the iceberg and i spent a few hours doing it you know so uh he will be our subject today where do we want to start here do we want to do the hall of fame thing andy i I got i got a little intro to get us kicked off herbert warren over here no i didn't write it this is gary smith this is from the gary smith feature i think this just surmises duvall and i think a lot of people forget Duvall, but here here we go. Gary Smith SI feature. It, you know, if you're going to read one thing this weekend, read that. Um, or this week. This week. But, you know, you can read some other stuff, too. Gary Smith, by the way, is arguably the greatest long-form writer of all time. And that's in a very crowded field at Sports Illustrated. I think many of the people who wrote at Sports Illustrated, even the greats, sort of deferred to, to Gary Smith. So go ahead. Go ahead. Great Duval feature. Just when Tiger Woods was supposed to put a chokehold on the tour, there was Duval in 1998, leading in victories with four, wrapping up the Varden Trophy as the golfer with the lowest scoring average and the title of the tour's leading money winner. When the presentations were made, no one saw the tears behind the wraparound sunglasses, but they were there. So that's, that's Duval. People, you know, probably one of golf's great misunderstood superstars and obviously not with us nearly long enough as as the player he was and and i think the the last 15 the long tail of his career diminishes the peak of his career which was you know utterly unbelievable yeah i mean so are you putting him in the hall of fame oh well i want to talk about this i've been getting a lot of shit about Marco Mira. And I want to just... David Duvall and Marco Mira might be the best juxtaposition for what I'm talking about with the Hall of Fame. This is not some lifetime achievement thing. Oh, good. You you played for a long time. 
you had you had a good eight month run and you won a couple majors. This is like if if you weren't a first page favorite person for the 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 prime of your career where every single major, every single time you teed it up, people were like, Oh, Duvall's in the field. He's probably gonna win. You know? Or that wasn't Marco O'Meara. Marco O'Meara did not go to tournaments and invoke fear upon from in other players. So I could so so then you you completely agree with the uh twenty nineteen PGA Tour player of the year vote in Rory McElroy, right? Because this is exactly this is essentially what you're arguing. You're arguing that the man, 1998, you just talked about the Varden Trophy and the tears behind the sunglasses, the person who won two majors that year, the Masters and the British Open that year. And I understand that David Duvall was probably the better player in the world and Rory was the best. So you, you completely agree with the PGA Tour Player of the Year vote I, then, right? I don't... I we're not talking is, We're not talking about longevity. What, what, I'm not talking about... No one's argument for O'Meara is that he played a long time like because a, he won two effing majors and the U.S. This is an Amateur. ambush. This is an ambush. Well, I'm just listening to this. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that O'Meara... Also, in 1998, O'Meara finished fourth in the PGA that year. He was threatening to win three majors. I'm just year. saying, next time this comes up and some guy wins a couple FedEx Cup events and a WGC and another guy wins two majors and you claim the, the, Here, the FedEx whoa, doesn't matter, whoa. you're arguing Duvall what, now. This what, is are what, you, this, what are you... What are we... Uh, where has this gone off the rails? You are just... Atta- this, is a, this is an attack. Right. Duvall. Duvall was... Honestly, trajectory-wise and talent-wise, he was... I'm, the way I'm kind of looking at this is tears. You got your Tiger tier. Your Tiger, your Jack tier. You sure. know? You got your just like... your inner. They call it the inner ring in baseball. The, the ultimate... Inner ring Hall of Famers. David Duvall was on a trajectory to get to that tier of a player until it got derailed. And because of that, I, I hold David Duvall in a whole different stratosphere than Marco O'Meara because David Duvall had more talent in his fingernail than O'Meara had in his entire golf game. Duvall, Duvall won 11 times in 36 well, now starts. Sure. Now, I think also, though, so what is talent? Duvall was a, a prolific ball striker. Marco O'Meara is one of the best putters of all time. Duvall was a great putter, though, too. Well, he's great at everything for that stretch. Yeah. One thing he I do was think a great, with the he Hall had of Fame, everything. if I may, uh, I think there are some career amateurs who are in the Hall of Fame. I, As someone who enjoys the amateur game, I don't think that amateur careers are given enough credit when looking at the Hall of Fame. When you look at Duvall, and we'll get into it, uh, from age 17 on, he was a dominant player. So it wasn't, I mean, yes, he dominated the tour for a very short time, but he was a guy kind of like our boy Hal Sutton with that 1980 season, which I think needs to be thrown into consideration for the Hall of Fame. Uh, who from age 17 until everything fell off the map in 2002 uh, was a dominant player at every level. See, and I think that's, that, that I agree with that. He was always a, 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 he was always ahead of his peers. He was always better than his peers. And that, that's something like Marco Mira was one of the best of his peers. David Duvall was every peer was afraid of him like he was he was one of the few golfers we've ever had that had the ability to intimidate his competitor the players around him listen i don't disagree with this i don't disagree with that but again david duvall won a u.s junior amateur 
He didn't win the U.S. Amateur. Marco Mira did. I understand oh, Duval uh, had a legendary. One tournament. Oh my gosh! Okay, just I agree. glorifying. I agree. Glorifying one tournament. I'm not glorifying one tournament. I'm talking about the results on paper. You yeah, talking about in that USM, you talked about him shooting 77 in the, in the first match. This isn't a one-to-one comparison, by the way. I'm not suggesting O'Mara's better than Duval. I'm not suggesting that at all. It's just weird to hear you make, you know, you of, you know, Brooksy should be player of the year, making all these excuses. I understand Duval's legendary talent from whatever Sean wants to cut it off at 17, certainly before that. Uh, but like, I, it's just weird that the, and I think he, he was headed for the inner sanctum, the inner rain or whatever, the tiger tier, but he didn't, he, in fact, in reality did not get there. He also didn't win as many mate. Like, okay. I, so, so let me, let me go paper. on. Okay. So tier one, you got your inner ring, right? Okay. And my tier two is like your Ernie's, your fills, like really unbelievable player of their generation, but just not quite those guys. And then you get to tier three and it's, that's where I would put Duvall. Like he's not even, he's not without a question is in my hall of fame because yeah, of how good he I was. I agree with all that. So let's, Here's the celebrate. Thing. I do let's think celebrate him a little bit. Go ahead, Sean. If 15 wins does seem to be an informal floor for the PGA two or for the hall of fame. And he's at 13. Interesting. Is that I think because Fred Couples, okay. I think, was 15 with one major, two players. I, I feel like 15 is a pretty informal floor. You need at least 15 wins. Not it's not in writing, but I don't think I can't think of anyone with less than 15. I'm sure there is somebody. Well, um, soon this Hall of Fame's gonna this this that Hall of Fame's not gonna exist when we get done with this, you know. Um <laughs> Brooksy Brooksy might push that, put that to the test. That's true. Is he gonna get 15? Well, three majors also is a Everyone with three majors I, in, so he's in. But I would imagine. Yes, I know. I know what you mean. Okay, uh, so let's celebrate Duval. I don't. I didn't intend for this to be. It shouldn't be an Omira versus Duval. That, that's my, not really- my thing with Omira is that he was like a second page player until '98. Yeah. No, I agree. But '98 happened. No? Yeah, but that's one blip on the radar. So was Duvall's four years just a blip? And it was four years. I, I mean, du- no, it was, you just—it was more like it was more like two and a half years. Yeah, it wasn't four, by the way. I it mean, look, I'm a, like, I'm a Duvall apologist, but it was yeah. like two and a half years. He's, okay, <laughs> it, was, it was eleven wins and thirty-four starts. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What Omira was two hundred weeks inside the top ten, top ten of the OWGR, right? Yeah. In his yeah. entire career, yeah. Duvall had one hundred and seventy-seven weeks inside the top five. Pretty good. He's a great player. Great player. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He should. Uh, I don't think you can tell the story of golf, certainly of the last like 30 years, without a page or two devoted to David Duvall. So let's do that. Let's go. Uh, Should I run down the very basics? Yeah, let's do the basics. And then Sean can kind of talk about some of those amateur and earlier days. He's from from, uh, PGA Tour land. Yeah, his dad was a club pro at Timaquana here, uh, which they're getting a champions event pretty soon, which I'm hoping he'll be teeing it up. I, I'd love that would be Duval. sick. By yeah. uh, Jim Furyk, right? Kind of benefit. Yeah, Timaquana, old school Ross course, very cool track. Alan we'll Brown, talk, what, let's superintendent, do a, one of the best in the game. And then we'll do a section on like kind of personal about Duval and how his childhood shaped who he is. But let's just do the basics. All yeah. right, so dad, dad, club pro, also. One on the Champions Tour, famously yep. the same day. 
Same day. As 80, you won the players. 99 yeah. players, right? Okay. 89 U.S. Junior Champ. Attended Georgia Tech. National Player of the Year. Four-time first-team All-American. Suck, suck it, O'Meara, and your USAM. Four-time first-team All-American. Why is this becoming an O'Meara? Like, I guess you started, you started it out punching me in the face. I'm not punching you in the face. I'm just trying to poke holes in your argument. Held a 54 lead at the PGA Tour's Bell South Classic in college. In college, 54 hole lead. Then shot. He told his dad, "I belong here." Then went and shot 79. Well, not and, to doubt him, but all right. 54 hole lead. All right, won twice on the Nike Tour. Seven runners up finishes on the PGA Tour from 95 to 97. Then he won 13 times from 97 to 01. Um, reached number one in the world rankings, had a 59 in the final round of the Bob Hope to win by one. He started the day seven shots back. Uh, then, uh, we got, uh, let's see. I already gave you the, uh, the OWGR top five thing. He got to number one money list rank from 95. He went 11th. 96th, 10th, 97th, 2nd, 98th, 1st, 99th, 2nd, 2007th, 018th. Uh, and that was that was about the end of David Duvall there. Um, that, one of players and an open. One of players and an open, yes. 13 wins. Then, and a World Cup with Tiger. Don't forget that. World, which was maybe one of Tiger's greatest shots ever, right? When he yeah, uh, that chip in. They did lose the playoff. Uh, I think it was Ernie and Retief. They lost the playoff too. And that so that was a separate one than the one they won. That chip. no, that that chip in was to get into a playoff. Oh, to get it. Okay, got it. Got what it. a what a great team, Ernie Retief. <laughs> so Duvall talking about that win, like so he had all those runners up. Then he won the Michelob at, at Kingsmill in '97. Yeah. Then won the next week at Walt Disney. And then won the tour championship. So like three in a row or three out of four. After kind of comparisons, comparisons to Hogan. Uh, Hogan didn't win his first individual title till 27 and then won three in a row. And then uh, Duvall did the same thing. So, so from the end of 97 through the beginning of 99, he had a stretch where he won 11 times and 36 starts. 30, I think yeah. 34. 34. I well, there's two worldwide starts that. Okay. Wow. Okay. His last win as a professional was the Dunlop Phoenix after the 01 Open. And then 01 November was his last win. You guys should go to the Dunlop Phoenix. Sneaky good field every year. Yeah, it's a great field. You big in, you're big in Japan. All right, Sean, I know we got to hit on some junior stuff. Junior through amateur career. And you are so, jacked up for this. Well, I knew Duvall had this amazing amateur career. I knew the four-time first-team All-American thing. Uh, but then as I was researching for this, it was even more incredible than I remembered. And so I just was kind of almost blown away. Uh, I knew he won the U S junior, uh, over Austin Mackey. I don't know where he is. Uh, Brian Gay and Chris Riley were among the medalists that year. Wow. Uh, his, his Brian dad Gay, still yeah. playing, still out there swinging on PJ tour. So hey, he, by, by your, by your, some of your qualifications, Brian Gay, might be better than uh, Duval. He's earned more FedEx. My Cup qualifications. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't have any qualifications. Uh, fun right. fact: Brian Gay, the last player to win by double digits on tour. <laughs> what? Anyway, that's a great yeah. fact. Is that accurate? 2009 Heritage won by ten. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That's an amazing fact. <laughs> that's great. 
so winning Duvall, by double digits is no joke. Yeah. I can, holy shit. No. So he graduated high school in 89. Next year, he made the cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, then, of course, you'd mentioned the Bell South, where uh, he had a two-stroke lead over former NCAA champion J. Don Blake and the uh, tour's all-time leading money winner, Tom Kite, uh, which I appreciated. Uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it's uh, $7 million in career earnings versus, hey, dad, can I borrow $10 for a pizza? Duval, who kind of, we can get into it, I think was known for some brash opinions, Yo, drew yeah. some flack because he was asked about playing with Tom Kite in the final group. He says, I don't care. I'm beating him so far. Uh, oh, which, of course, he, he was kind of known for his abruptness, his brashness. Uh, yes. Some said coffee. Authenticity. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that was the line that really sealed. Unfortunately, a final round 79. Uh, it is interesting how much you talked about the seven runner finishes. He had struggles closing uh, for a while in the PGA Tour. And if he could have closed out some of those early ones, you know, then we're talking about the 15 wins or so. But he, he struggled with the lead uh, early in his PGA Tour career. What was the U.S. Open? It was There's, 90 U.S. Open. Do we know where that was? 1990. Uh, that was the Mike Donald Hale Irwin playoff. I I, uh, I want to jump ahead a little bit because of the uh, what you just said. He uh, he told his dad this. I thought this was just great golf advice, and it, it probably like it shows the maturation of Duvall through his career. I think he struggled early in his college career winning too, but he said yep. he said you know on the the day before or the Saturday night before the players Sunday and uh, his dad was playing the Emerald coast and holding the lead. He said, I told him you're going to think about winning. That's fine. Don't waste energy trying to block it out. Embrace it. Think about what it would mean, but also think to your uh, think, uh, but also say to yourself, okay, I need to do this, this and this to make it happen. I could tell he was listening. Like you could t- like you could tell that there's, there's a player that, always like went through struggles before he got over the hill and then he would win a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Learning from experience. Though, if we can, that's a segue into his brief Nike tour career where he t- wasted no time winning. Should we get into that? Yeah. yeah let's give it. This Nike. was like, we'll talk about like Georgia a- tech. I think quite a bit when we discuss the personal, can we, can we just but. real quick talk about four time first team, all American, how insanely short, difficult that is. Short list. I think it's like Phil. Bryce Mulder, Gary Hallberg, Phil. Gary Hallberg at Wake, right? Who lost to Mark Am- Mark uh, O'Meara, uh, amateur. Not didn't lose to him directly, but Mark O'Meara beat that field, U.S. amateur. Um, Not to mention, like it's never going to happen again because once you've time. been, uh, been right. two time, you're turning pro. Yeah, yeah. Like Unless he- you're holding out for a PGA Tour University spot, you know, you just want to play all four years. Fast track it. The PGA Tour University is a good little angle here. All right. Um, So, all right, Nike Tour. Nike Tour. So he turns pro in 1993. And then he has this, I mean, this is like a Morikawa, like Hovland, uh, Wolf type debut. Turns pro in 93, wins his second start. At 21, he's the youngest ever win Nike Tour. Uh, He wins again at the Nike Tour Championship. Back then, only the top 10 on the money list got tour cards. He finished 11th, uh, $3,000 behind Kurt Byram. And in the last round of the Nike Tour Championship, he made a hole-in-one on the third hole, birdied the last two holes, including a 20-footer on the last hole to win by one. So basically blitzed the Nike Tour in nine starts, but just did not have enough uh, cash. Yeah, didn't have enough starts to make the cash. Kurt Byram beat him out. Uh, So he had to go back the next year. He finished in the top 10 in 10 of 22 starts and earned his card for 1995. 
And he he had some struggles in that that uh, that year, as uh, the Gary Smith article talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so he goes on tour. Do we hit? What do we want to do? What do we want to hit on next? His PGA Tour record. I mean, we talked about right, how. Let's it took talk. A while. Yeah, let's talk about the PGA Tour. Okay, let's do it. I mean, well, let's hit on the players in the Open. I mean, we should discuss. His open champ, obviously his two biggest wins, but w- what what do you want to hit on tour? So I, I, do, I, think- I do want to talk about, I guess when he turned pro, there's a good quote from an agent. Uh, <laughs> it says, it's an image that can turn off corporate America if you look like you've just arrived on a Harley, which he was uh, implying that Duval looked like. It's not an MTV bunch that's underwriting the PGA Tour. He was very quickly, kind of going back to that comment that he made uh, on the Saturday in Atlanta, he was very quickly, kind of became the, bad boy of the PGA tour, if you will, or just kind of the, he just didn't play the game. He didn't play the corporate game. It's kind of like Brooks now. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit like Brooks just spoke his mind and just blunt economy of words. Very blunt, very, um, yeah, it was monotone, but not boring. It was less intimidating when I found out that he wore the Oakleys because of an unastigmatism. That made it a little less uh, and pollen, right? Yeah, sensitive to whatever the allergies, but also to not. I mean, there's there's more meaning read into that too to not have to to shield himself from the world and all these kind of metaphors were were used about those glasses. I Uh, his whole aesthetic, he had. There's very few players I feel like in golf that have like an aesthetic that can Tiger. You know, he had a dominant personality and aura about him, like the the body language. But I feel like Duvall's aesthetic played into, like, he would intimidate the players around him just because of the sunglasses. And, like, he never, he was expressionless. And he had the, the shirt buttoned all the way up to the top. And, and it was just this, he had he had a look and a feel to him that, that like, was like ice water, you know? Sure. Nice he wore Mossimo. Yeah, I was gonna say Mossimo. I was, I was thinking about that with Omira when I found out he had no fear on his hat. It's like Mossimo. It's like so. I, I, what else are we gonna Tom, find? Tommy Hilfiger uh, too. Yeah, there's yeah. Hilfiger to Mossimo to Nike. Nike. What else are we gonna find of these '90s culture like uh, brands that were on golfers? No fear. Do you think Omira? I, do you think Omira Isaac? had the? Omira had the no fear chain wallet. <laughs> I mean, what's next? The uh, what were some? What are some other ones? Like big dogs or whatever. <laughs> the co-ed naked sports T-shirts that kids, you know, the bad kids at school would wear or would wear on the weekends. They weren't forbidden at school, but like, what were some of those terrible, like, kind of nineties brands? Massimo. Uh, you know, you know who else wore Massimo on the who? tour? Rocco, right? No, did he? I would say Ty Tryon. Oh, okay. Okay. It was a legit golf brand back then. Hey, uh, is, isn't that the guy that's now uh, G four, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And his daughter, the they're the federal stuff. Or girl got a uh, Aunt Becky's daughter, right? He's married to Aunt Becky. Girl went to USC on the fake yeah. fake transcripts or whatever. Yeah, okay, fake scholarship. All right, uh, let's get back to business. So we already talked about seven runner-ups before he got his first win. Yep. You know, so then all of a sudden he he wins and the floodgates just open. Um, and uh, you know, early wins the most 
famous one is the Bob Hope in 98. Let's talk about that. The 59. Eagle. Which, well, let's start, he started that year with what? The eight-shot win at Kapalua, and then his next star shoots 59 to, uh, to win. Nine shots. His first two starts of 99. It's crazy. Yeah. I got I got a bunch of stuff on the on the Mercedes. We can okay. go. So well, was, let's start there, and then we'll go to the Hope. So the Mercedes ninety nine. He wins by nine shots. This is another aspect of Duval, and I know it's a small field, but like you look at a lot of guys and they eke out wins, like it's a one shot win, uh, a playoff win. Certain guys that blow fields out are on uh, like regularly are on a different level and you look at Duvall he had two playoff wins his first I think his first two wins were like one shot playoff win but then yep. every other one usually was like multi-stroke wins he had like a lot of multi-stroke wins I think that is an underrated thing about how players win right when the open by three when the players by two like uh, yeah great players don't win by one shot a lot like they win by multiple shots a lot um, so he wins this Mercedes by nine shots. Um, so Marco Mira says he's going crazy out there. Tiger Woods, he's kicking everybody's butt, including mine. Fred Couples called Duvall our best player. According to Davis Love, it's not even close. Whoa. Uh, you know who the runners-up were at that Mercedes? Uh, one, was, one was Marco Mira. Oh, uh, Billy. And then the other one was Billy Maker. Yeah, the- Philly, Philly Playfair runner up. So this, it could, could have been maybe a T three. Who knows uh, with dude, what happened out there? The ball is making a statement uh, against Andy's argument. So, uh, so love, so love called Duvall. This is all from an Alan Shipnuck article. Love called Duvall the best iron player in the game. Fred Funk called him the best long straight driver. Brandel said Duvall makes more clutch putts than anybody else out here. Randall finished T sixteen out of thirty in that field. He was hot off his BC Open. BC By the way, can, can I read BC on the BC? I thought yeah. it was Vancouver. I think it was Greater Vancouver. BC, British Columbia. Sure. Well, no, that no, the BC is in upstate New York. Anyways, uh, Duval's <laughs> stats in nineteen ninety nine led the tour in greens regulation, hitting nearly seventy four percent. Hit seventy five percent of his fairways while ranking ninth in driving distance. Whew. I mean, just <laughs> machine. He was unbelievable. So, um, so then Omira said his greatest a- a- asset is his composure. So this is the this is the lead from the um, you know from the Shipnuck, Shipnuck. article. It, the tour had just signed a new rights deal, and like all of a sudden, so you got Tiger Mania, and all of a sudden you've got Tiger the the guy that's going to go against Tiger for t- the next decade ascending and and into the top you know emotionless emotionless and doesn't give you much other than you know arguably like the perfect contrast right um as duvall wrapped in one final birdie putt fincham reached for a victory drink it was bottled water not champagne but the moment was intoxicating enough for fincham to momentarily lose his inhibitions this he said grandly is the start of a new era Call it the Moore Tour because that's what the PGA Tour is all about in 1999. More tournaments, more TV, more money, more hype, and apparently a lot more Duval. He is the right player at the right time. Hmm. It was a new era. I mean, that's for sure. 
Well, and because Tiger in 98 was mid Butch Harmon swing change. 99, obviously, really until the 99 PGA, he wasn't back to being Tiger. Then obviously he goes on and wins like five out of six majors. But uh, yeah, this wasn't the lull when Tiger was making that that swing change under Butch and he filled the void. So, uh, All right. So he wins by nine at Mercedes. Do you have more on that? That's it. Okay. So then he goes to Bob Hope. Uh, shoots 59 in the final round. Wins. I've got, I've got a lot here. Okay. Uh, I mean, is this is this this round is probably now devalued by all the 59s that have come off there. Extraordinarily this, devalued. It's, it's, it's like it's a the, real true. It's blue. the best one. It's the yeah. best 59. And while you're talking about driving distance, I was I was kind of taken aback to read like he, he was always known as a power player. Ripped it. You know, he hit it 320 on 18. Yeah, I mean, you had to three. you had to flush it to to send that 975D. You couldn't be you know hitting him yeah. off the toe and and send them far. Uh, so he hits a 320 with needed an eagle on the 18th. Hits a 320, then puts it what to six feet. Yeah, it drains it 500 to six feet. It comes from seven back and wins. What what do you got on this, Sean? All right, so I went back last year and calculated his strokes gained putting for the round. Uh, he gained two strokes putting and shot 59 on the round. Uh, Holy crap! It was one of only three, which is by far the lowest in a 59 that we can kind of measure for. Uh, this is the best 59 in your estimation i think so final round to win that hadn't been done before it was only the third 59 right at the time uh al guyberger's was uh lift clean in place and he hold like everything and then the next one was chip back in las vegas uh so this one was i mean this was totally different than the other ones yep uh he it was one it's one of just three 59s that or sorry sub 60 rounds since we have a 58 also one of three that does not include a hole out from off the green uh, Stuart Appleby at the Greenbrier and then Chip Beck were the only other ones. Wow. Uh, Jeff Maggart played with him, called it an easy 59. It was sort of like a no-hitter. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Finally, after he stiffed it for the fourth straight time on a par three, I said, I didn't realize we were playing par twos today. Here's what he did on the par threes. 600 to three feet, 500 to five feet, 600 to two feet, and an 800 to two feet. Uh, and then so he shoots 31 on the front. I got to read through this back nine. He shoots 28, and it could have been 26. So on number 10, he had sandwiched to five feet. Then he hits a chip shot to a foot for a birdie on a par five. 600 to two feet, 700 to 12 feet, misses that, makes par. Sandwiched to 10 feet, birdie. 800 to two feet, birdie. Sandwiched to one foot, birdie. On 17, he hits 900 to 20 feet, makes par. Then 18 was a 500 to six feet, makes eagle. So he had had like two, two putts on that nine outside of six feet. For the round, 15 of his approach shots were within 20 feet, and the longest putt he made all day was 10 feet. Holy shit. And that's how you get only uh, plus two strokes yeah. game putting. It's crazy. <laughs> so that that's right there. Don't go. Is, I, that's why. Yes. Yeah. It's just absolute. Uh, it's just unbelievable he's not in the uh, other Hall of Fame. Not the real Hall of Fame. Can we be clear here? Is he absolutely eligible? I mean, Tiger is eligible at 43. He's four, or Duval's 48. There's no age thing. There's no, there's nothing. Uh, the age is the only inhibitor, I, right? You don't have yeah, to be retired well, that, five years like other sports. It's, there's no. I mean, he's retired. I know. I know. I mean, there's nothing out there that for a reason why he wouldn't be eligible as well. I think that the brevity of his professional success is held against him. It was very brief. It was. I mean, most of us, unfortunately, have known David Duvall, the slumper or the struggling former number one for like 
three times as long as we knew David Duvall, the world dominator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Bob Hope, 59. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Then players, when's the players in March of that year? So he's just, and Andy talked about 11 of 34, 36. You added a couple of international. Yeah. Winning the players got him to number one in the world. And then, uh, he won his next start at the Bell South Classic. So he had four wins going into Augusta. It was like the first time, I think, since 75 that someone had done it. I think it was Johnny Miller. Wow. Wow, that sounds right. There's a gr- Scott Gump to win the players by <laughs> two. Current Notre Dame assistant golf coach, Scott Gump. There's a great uh, line about uh, about Duvall in the, in the uh, I think it was a Jaime Diaz recap, where yeah. he, he talks about... Um, by converting each of his six last uh, his last six fifty four hole leads into victories, Duvall is clearly not only a frighteningly complete player, but also one who, after falling to, uh, failing to win his first five times he led going into the final round, has evolved into a deadly closer. That's why he has supplanted Woods as the Masters favorite. Like, think about what it requires to supplant Tiger Woods as a Masters favorite in in nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Also, yeah. that players he won, the winning score was three under. It was the toughest players uh, at TPC Sawgrass. And I know you tweeted this quote, which I thought you'd enjoy it. Yeah, uh, so good. I'm trying to find it. People were complaining about the rough. The rough was brutal and basically said, I've never found the rough to be that bad from the middle of the fairway. <laughs> there was a quote right after that, too, that was really good that I wish I had uh, I had pulled, but I didn't. Um Bruce, so Bruce Litsky on that weekend, Sawgrass. That was so Bruce Litsky, who followed rounds with seven, of seventy-one and sixty-eight with an eighty, thought tour officials had gone too far. I hit fourteen Browns in regulation, so I didn't play that badly. He deadpanned, but they made the best players in the world look like knuckleheads. That year, Bob Friend went eighty-seven seventy uh, on the weekend. <laughs> Actually, you're talking about Duval's pun of Idra ties. In high school, he played in the players as a marker uh, one year. Oh, wow. Like what a good that. little fact that is. Nugget. What, I like what that. What year? Uh, I don't, I don't have do that what? in front of me. I'm not sure that I can have to be like call it up. 88, somewhere in there, probably. Um, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, his dad used to work in the scoring trailer as well. So. All right. So we're on 99 right now. Whoa. So you know, hey, Gump, outside of Gump, you know who was also really close in that players was uh, Payne Stewart was in the mix until he made a, an eight on 17. So that gets lost on the leaderboard. It wasn't okay. just Gump, you know. There was some- Andy's mad because I was trying to argue earlier that his wins over Scott Gump and Nicholas Fost. Well, hold on, Nick, Nick Price was third that year. Fred Couples and Hal Sutton finished fourth. So Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so See, Scott Gump had a good week. All right, ninety nine guys some credit. Ninety nine, he wins four times before the Masters. Uh, he's got the fifty nine. He's got the players. He gets a Gary Smith profile, uh, which like Gary Smith doesn't like. It takes a lot to get the Gary Smith treatment. He doesn't just like you have to be an incredible story, an incredible uh, or or like Tiger, the superstar. You have to be a lead dog to get Gary. Gary Smith's only doing four or five of these a year. He's the best in the game. And this is Duval was worthy of this kind of treatment at the time. Um, we'll go into Smith's article a little bit. Anything else on 99? So he doesn't win the Masters. We talk about 98, he was runner-up. Like his major career, 
like, was really like his regular career was the four the four year kind of burst and that was it. Bunch I of top his, tens and a win. Yeah, his major career was really good in the sense of like he was in the mix in like seventy percent of the majors that in that window. Four year window. Yeah. And uh obviously I think like the major was the the big thing that everybody was waiting for. And so I the Masters, he had two obviously the Omira Masters. Yep. So he bogeyed sixteen in both of those masters on Sunday. Ninety-eight and ninety-nine? No, ninety-eight and oh one. So he went at he, the Masters during his peak. T two, T six, T three, second. Those yeah. are his four straight Masters ones during his or appearances during his. So in ninety eight and oh one, he bogeyed sixteen both times, and then on in oh one, I watched the end of it today. He missed a ten footer on seventeen and like a four or five footer on on eighteen, and then in. In '98, he missed short putts on 17 and 18. Also, like if if the ball hits a blade of grass differently, he's in playoffs in each of those. Okay. Anything else on the Masters? His Masters career. I mean, that's a good four-year stretch. T2, T6, T3, second. I mean, um, he was just—he was such a complete player. Yeah. And that's what Augusta, if you are a great iron player and great around and on the greens, you're always going to be a factor. And that course was really good for him. I mean, oddly enough, like, like the open was the one where he hadn't been, you know, he, he didn't even have a top 10 in this, in this stretch until he won it in 01. Like the other majors, he was kind of knocking on the door, at least in the top 10. And then the open, you know, for being, maybe the best player in the game. He, he hadn't really figured that one out and then he won it at Lytham. Hey, one oh. other thing about the, uh, the masters. Yeah. So I was watching it and I didn't know who said this. I just quickly jotted it down. It was like Phil and tiger had just, they were in the final group. Um, Duvall was playing with L's. I mean, do you think about like coming down the stretch, those four guys, like pretty unbelievable masters, but, uh, the, the, I can't remember who the color guy was. We're going to see some more battles between these three guys, Mickelson, Woods, and Duvall. Like, you know, and he went rattle oh, off how that was, old they are. That was the stake to your heart. I know. Like, you think about, like, had we had Duvall in there in that era, how much better it would have been with VJ, Ernie, Mickelson, Duvall. Like, truly, like, the heyday of, of the last for you know 30 years of golf would have been you know it, it, it you wonder if tiger would have been as as dominant the crazy thing about that 2001 masters is he was already starting to struggle with his game mm-hmm. uh and then he didn't have a par through eight holes he made six birdies and two bogeys in the final round the uh the other thing so ty, this is just a side note do you know how much how many yards tiger had into 18 that year what year uh, 100 oh, like 120 78 yards oh. Well, same with seven. They hadn't lengthened seven yet either. <laughs> and like I was like kind of passively watching it at that point because I, yeah. I wanted to watch the Duvall thing. And, the, and then uh, Nance is like, and Tiger's got 78 yards in. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he was just hitting like a little flip flash shit <laughs> into 18. All right. So we talked about 99 for a while, how he won all those times before the Masters. Can we talk about the Ryder Cup? 99, Brookline. Yeah. 
<laughs> we didn't obviously he had a short burst, so we only played two Ryder Cup teams. Uh was it two? I think it was ninety nine and oh two. Um and then a couple of President's Cup teams. So Ryder Cup, we remember him for like he never he never shows any emotions, obviously. And he does the fist pump and the ugly shit. Double fist pump. Part of the yeah, the and going around the green kind of Oh, he did the I can't hear you. Did the hand yeah, the ear. this is like the guy who never when he fist pumped three times after the fifty nine, they're like, Oh my god, he has a pulse. Like that's the most emotion he's ever shown on the golf course. But prior to that, you know, he was he he was kind of leading the charge for they should get paid, right? And this was like the oh, big I forgot about big, that drama it was Duvall Tiger joined him and it was just it was like, also Amira was in that too yes and there was all this dissension kind of among some of the older guards Crenshaw Lehman like that and and the Duvall Woods group Duvall 99 Brookline before he's losing his mind says it seems like a pretty large corporate outing it says of the Ryder Cup <laughs> I believe in it oh go on I believe go in ahead. the interview he he dryly kind of mentioned maybe we should boycott kind of half joking oh, yeah. they but were, it got yes. it got blown out of report as like oh he's gonna boycott the Ryder Cup. yeah there was like some drama about that it seems like a large corporate outing woods added it's an exhibition it always has been it's not meant to be played as a war which is that is in fact accurate um you know duval they talked about this like this inspirational speech before him he's like i just went and played you know when you get inside the ropes i think it's easy to forget about all that stuff uh, and, and Crenshaw is like just disgusted. He's like, I'm from a different different generation where the Ryder Cup means a lot to us. I'm in, I'm upset people aren't jumping over the moon about it. Uh, Duval Tiger's like, it's not greed. It's just we want to help out. We're going to donate money to our charities. So this was like such a drama. It's just become too corporate. Woods argued. Uh, Duval said he was. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Crenshaw, Crenshaw just gets really angry because this burns the hell out of me to listen to some of their viewpoints. And Duvall called them afterwards and was like, tried to smooth it over. Uh, nobody even thought this was a major event 10 years ago. Just, just shitting all over the Ryder Cup was David Duvall. The media keeps saying it's pay for play, and I don't see it that way, Omira said. I take events to, to the fact that somebody might call me unpatriotic. And here's... Brian Watts came in. Brian Watson. Watts, guy, guy. <laughs> Brian Watts heading falls into the ocean. So these are all these guys popping back at Duval Woods O'Meara was Crenshaw. Then Brian Watts somehow got included. This is an ESPN article who what? doesn't get Ryder Cup points because he was born in Canada, even though he's a U.S. citizen. Had a similar view. I'll just say this: I die for my country, so I really like to play on the Ryder Cup. Watsy and Layman <laughs> adds, I'm so sick of it, I could just barf. <laughs> That's Tom Layman. There you go. So that was like a more drama. I, I obviously we all remember the fist pumping and the can you hear me, Duval, but there was obviously a ton of ton of uh dissension and kind of controversy between some of the up and comers and the old guard and what turned out to be, I guess, the United States probably greatest Ryder Cup moment ever, I would say. So all right. That's enough with 99. What else do you guys want to move on to? Should we do the 01 Open? We yeah, should. I think so. Beats, I mean, it's, it's the pinnacle. Beats Nicholas Foss at uh, Lytham. Uh, what else? What do you guys have on that? I do I, think... I well, it's crazy because there's always the story told that one reason he went into the slump 
was that uh, basically he's on the plane flying home and he's got the clitter jug and he's worked his whole life to win this major. Uh, and he just has this moment where like, he's like, this is it. Like, yep. this is what I've worked so hard for. And it wasn't fulfilling. Uh, it was also, I mean, he was already kind of on the downfall of his game. He'd gotten hurt in 2000 with his back. 2001, he switched to Nike clubs. Uh, he was in a lawsuit with Titleist. It was mentioned on that 2001 Masters broadcast. Yeah. Um, and he'd hurt himself, I think hurt a wrist uh, while just testing Nike clubs because Nike hadn't gotten into the golf business yet. He was like their first club guy. He was working with a club fitter to make some Nike blades. So Hard goods business. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so wasn't there, a, I remember there was the, the tour, the Nike tiger ball wasn't there a duval ball too there had to have been i think there was a double d ball given what he yeah i mean given his stature in the game i i can't i I can't believe i didn't write that down and that just triggered my memory Uh, so one thing uh just real quick one thing that also kind of upset him about that 01 open is he didn't play that well i think i think he hit less than half the fairways uh, and he said in a later article, when you work so hard and have had so many near misses and then win and you didn't play that well, it's like, are you kidding? Are you really going to do this to me? It's not like I played bad, but of the tournaments I won, that's the one I played the worst in. I had that quote written down too. It's kind of amazing. That's the one I played the worst in. So th- there was like an emptiness of, of finally winning a major almost. This yeah, is I'm- all there is. And I think he hit less than half the fairways. I remember all, all the highlights were like him hitting good iron shots out of like that wispy uh, fescue and stuff. And then he never wins again. I mean, he and, wins Dunlop. Well, Dunlop Phoenix. Hold on. Dunlop Phoenix. In Tom uh, Humphrey's uh, uh, SI piece, there's an interesting little like tidbit. There's an autograph uh, seeker that uh, when when Duvall walked by, he he said, there goes yesterday's next big thing. In this after the second round, wow, like that's wow. where he had kind of fallen to, you know, wow. at this point. So he beat Foss by three, he beat Darren Clark, Ernie Els, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Loner, Mayfair, and Woosnam by four, Sergio by five. I mean, it, I don't know, it's, it's a good leaderboard for sure. Ernie's in there. Uh, woozy, woozy was the oh, that biggest was, that was char- the challenger. Club. Yeah. That was the was that the two two uh, fifteen two drivers. He chucks the chucks the driver in the bushes. <laughs> and that he was fired his caddy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Do we have anything else on the open? It's it's very odd that like because honestly, it was a major he hadn't played the best in, in in this run, and it's the last. It's the end. That's very basically the end of it. End of his run. And it is like he's only two years removed from being the most dominant player on the planet, but it's also like this, the writing is already kind of on the wall. You know, he finished second in the Masters, but he was just not as consistent uh, as he was. He was already starting to struggle. Injuries were starting to pop up. Uh, so what injuries just, do we have? So we never hear. We, the I wrist mean, injury, vertigo, wrist. 2000, back. 2000 was a back, yeah. Then remember he lost all that weight to try to get in shape, but that threw him off because he'd been a little bit – heftier not big but pudgy he was, he was a husky boy he was yeah. tech he was overweight they said yeah Georgia tech. i mean it was the one thing he was like this singularly driven guy but he was chunky that was the one thing that didn't fit with everything else of, of his sort of 10 minutes early for every meeting and kind of you know this 
singularly focused golfing machine. He just wasn't in shape. Uh, injuries were vertigo, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, bad wrist, which like obviously that's not good to have as a golfer. So. I think too there were some swing changes. I saw references, or at least when the back hurt, he kind of started making he, compensations. And there's also that. he he broke up with his longtime girlfriend, so there was like the emotional thing going through. That's right. And and then he he you know later then married for the first time and I think there's this other thing where what you hit on Sean with the the lack of fulfillment it he became so much I think he had worked so hard to get there and he got and he just didn't feel the satisfaction he thought and then you could tell that he started to just care less and less like he spent more and more time in the mountains more and more time doing other things than golf. Well, he was always kind of an intellectual, like he was kind of the pre-Rory. Yeah. Like, you remember he mentioned he read uh, The Fountainhead? Yeah, that's a big uh, thing. And so he kept kind of getting portrayed as this the intellectual. And he was a thinker. I mean, not many tour players are reading The Fountainhead. Uh, so that Art, definitely what was it? Art in the Zen of motorcycle maintenance was yeah. another thing he carried with him uh, yeah. or had on tour. Was that? Uh, he was just considered more intellectual. He's also, I, it's on Wikipedia as a registered Democrat. Which, like, obviously then, I think there was that Lee Jansen article, or Lee Jansen quote about the 99, uh, one of those Ryder Cups when we were researching. It's like, you know, if, just crushing Bill Clinton. Everybody's very, very far right, uh, was a conservative. And yeah. There was like, and it was so a, it was just, I think he was like the only registered Democrat uh, in, on the PGA Tour. Which I'm not sure if that's still the case. I texted someone if that was, he's like, they didn't seem to think he was uh, left. Not that this is like that important. I'm just, it's noted on his Wikipedia. We're talking about the Fountainhead, those, you know, Howard Rourke. This is not a political statement. No, no, not at all. (laughs) But I'm just saying that it's, it's a, it was like a fact that people talked about with Duvall at the time. I don't know that he's still that way. Um, All right. So, oh, one open, then, the tumble comes. What 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 are we gonna talk about in the interview? I don't know. The next decade, there were he pops up here and just, there. He just Beth popped Page. up. Everybody, you think about he was so at 09 at Beth Page. He was 882nd in the world. He hadn't had a top ten finish in seven years. Came through yeah. sectionals, right, to get there. Beth yeah. Page. He's, he he uses exemption. He uses sponsors exemptions for a year. He uses the career money list exemption. Uh, he retains his card. I think. Was it 09? He oh, 09, well, yeah. yeah. Because, because of that of second the, place finish. No, he finished second at Pebble, too, that year. No, that was 20, 2010. 2010, he retained his tour card playing off of sponsors. Exemption is what I have. So he's runner-up to DJ. Who? That's kind of insane. You know, we think he's just Duval. That was it. It was there were like no other top 10s. I think those runners-up were like his only top 10s after the 01 Open. But it's wild. We talk about how, like, he was. we're talking about him playing with O'Meara and sort of these these... Trip Eisenhower in college and things like that, but he's also runner up to DJ. Like it's yeah. just a total like this cross generational. Not not that he was consistent in 2010, but he did retain his card in 2010, playing off of sponsors exemptions. What so he 06 at Wingfoot, he had a T16, played all right, and then 09 he goes through sectionals and qualifies for Beth Page and is runner up. 
Beth Page, because of weather, had like a crazy disparity in the draw. Right. Tiger was like the only guy from his side of the draw to even finish in the top 10, uh, I believe. And that's why you had like Ricky Barnes setting scoring records <laughs> hey, and Lucas Glover. Take it easy on the Dutch boy. <laughs> the so, Dutch boy. And I do believe that Duval was on the beneficial side of the draw there, but it's still finishing second at the Open. Uh, and then, yeah, almost winning Pebble the next year. He didn't have a top 10 from 2003 to 2008. He was on the 71st hole, tied for the lead, lipped out a par there, lost by two, Ugh. lost by two to Lucas Glover. Would have been, I mean, I feel like, I feel like people romanticized Anthony Kim so much and Duvall's the one that everybody should have romanticized, like the fall from, I, I guess like he didn't just disappear, but like just in terms of like the star we lost. Well, that's a generational thing. More of the ch- Twitter generation probably like came up with Anthony Kim. Yeah, you know. Um, Are you saying I'm old? No, no. Uh, anything else on 09 Beth Page? Sean? No. I mean, I just think like I, I forgot about that. I, I remember, I remember him sort of being in the hunt, but I didn't remember he was tied for the lead on the 71st hole. It's just nuts. he. Uh, he was so close to getting it done so many times in majors. That's the thing. Like he he could have had three or four. That's All the right. thing. That's the thing that I think in in essentially four real years, he had like five six chances at majors. Sure, sure. And then I mean, it wasn't all over. Then he did win the 2016 father son PNC. <laughs> PNC. But the stepson, two hundred grand purse or something ridiculous. The stepson. I did find. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. In in the interim, in between that, I did find an interesting article uh, from the AP in 2012 uh, about the gigantic financial hit, quote unquote, that he took from the real estate collapse. That well, apparently, I saw articles which, about his home being in foreclosure. Maybe it was on, it was on TMZ as well. Okay. Uh, it was on TMZ first, then Doug Ferguson wrote about it. Uh, but yeah, his twelve million dollar house, I guess, got crushed uh, in the financial collapse, and and it, he had a lot of you know financial struggles. Said it's been a very big distraction. I have the weight of this on me. Which this is a time when he's still trying to play and like keep his card. He's yeah. occasionally you know keeping it. So twelve million uh, and then there's house. Hmm. yeah Cherry there's Hills. Great lives in Colorado. Yeah, Cherry Hills Village. Uh, there's a great story when we get to the Gary Smith and his childhood, there's a great story in this story that relates to it. Let's do that. Let's do that. Now that we're talking Segway. about kind of life's not fair, all the, you know, he gets crushed by the financial crisis. Um, I mean, let's talk about the personal, uh, his dad was club pro Tim Aquano. We talked about that. Uh, his mom who, who, uh, I found this fact just amazing. His mom was in the Florida State FSU Flying High Circus, which wow. is one of two such collegiate circus programs. I did not find that fact. It's good research. Like they, they've got a tent. They do the trapeze and all that other stuff. No animals, Andy. No animals <laughs> in the circus. Just But collegiate. I think the other one was Illinois State. So the, the records also a talent. Uh, let's do Gary Smith real quick. I mean... At least I, I. Everybody should read this. All right. It was a random Tuesday afternoon. I got emotional reading this article. Me too. I I don't know if it's because of whatever. I'm a dad, and he's talking about his dad. Whole he, the lead is um, 
it's so Duvall's older brother Brent suffered from what was it anemic aplastic anemia, which was this rare disease, and David had to uh, David donut. It was a ninety percent match for bone marrow. So the lead of Gary Smith's article talks about um, what is it a horse needle basically going into his hip without anesthesia. Uh, his parents had to hold him down. They're yeah. holding him down. Stainless stainless steel, nearly three times as thick as pencil lead, entered just above the boy's hip. He clenched. He was better at that than most boys, boys as it dug through his flesh. And then he paused when it met his hip bone. No anesthesia, just digging these giant horse, you know, larger than normal needles into his hip. I don't know. I started like getting emotional thinking about my own kid or thinking about, I don't know, just it, it was, it, and this is obviously just the start of, of his personal tra- personal troubles. Uh, the bone marrow was a 90% match, but uh, this is at UH in Cleveland. Uh, it, it works, they think. It, it has worked. And they, they just, you know, he, after a long stay, his older brother Brent uh, is sent home to Jacksonville area. And there he starts to get sick again. And it, they're discovered that he had craft versus host disease. And David's bone marrow, David Duvall's bone marrow, was attacking his brother's body. Uh, an infection, quote, was hopping like a grease fire, organ after organ was shutting down. And so uh, his older brother, Brent, passes away. How old was David Duvall? Do we know when he donated the bone marrow? He's, wasn't he like? Uh, nine. nine. Nine, yeah. Okay. So old enough to know what's happening, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. Um, So he goes back. They take him back to Cleveland to the hospital. His brother, he goes to see his brother, you know, say goodbye. And he like doesn't go into the room. He goes, that's not my brother. That's not you know what he looks like and runs away um later like so he doesn't want to confront doesn't even want to go in the hospital room later he's he so it's his bone marrow he screams like i killed him i killed him like this is all he's with as a night and then his family falls apart yeah his dad bob who the pro can't really deal with it can't confront moves out for a year um his mom starts drinking. This is all stuff he's discussing. Like we're not going into it's all gossip. in the article. Yeah. yeah, we're not going into gossip or secondhand. I mean, this is clearly told to Carrie Smith. So the family falls apart. He's like this nine-year-old kid. Uh, brothers died. Uh, his dad moves out, moves back in eventually. Then they eventually split. Um, what else do you guys have on this? Well, so this article about his financial troubles with the house... Uh, He's asked, you know, obviously you're going through some tough times, but Duval replies, well, I'm not the only one who's dealing with tragedy right now. And so Ferguson asks him, where did he develop this perspective? And Duval responds, a few things entered my mind and they had to do with people I met when Brent was in the hospital. I think back to when I was there with Brent and somebody tried to mug me in the playroom. I was nine years old. I had $12 in my pocket and he had me pinned up against the wall, choking me. Uh, I think it's about self-preservation. That's when I dealt with Brent and my family, the things we were going through. That's when I learned a lot about what shaped who I am. We were just down in a game room playing pool with another kid, having fun. And then the, the dyna- then the dynamic changed. And I was like, no, you can't do this. I'm not allowing you to do this to me. And by the way, he didn't get my money. So basically this kid's like, basically fights the kid. Uh, and then, I mean, you learn so much about why he's maybe so... What a, what a crystal clear memory to be telling Doug Ferguson. Right. Whatever this is, 2013 or so, 20, 
you know, 40 years later. Well, it says the question triggered memories Duvall had not thought about for longer than he can remember. So this is like, just gets yeah. kind of sprung on him, but you can now see why he's kind of this loner or man, a few words or hiding behind the sunglasses and why yes. he became like a junior phenom because basically All to deal with his job. Yeah. That was his like his, escape. Yeah. By the way, his dad, Bob allegedly could have been a tour pro, but he wanted family stability. Per uh, teammates. Like, he was teammates with Hubert green at Florida state. Well, I guess his mom was in the circus, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he didn't want a tour. So he wanted this family stability. He didn't want to be out on tour. And then, you know, this family is, a great just a, crushed a great right. line from it so like it, it immediately then transitions to Duvall going to Tim Aquana and just tirelessly being there and it it says golf was a perfect was the perfect sport for David it confirmed the logic of his experience rely on no one be affected by no one wow. yep. yep i mean we could just read this article off but you know i thought it was hilarious how he would hustle guys in the in the pro shop when it was raining like banking golf shots off displays like into like a cup that they made in the pro shop um out, out driving guys when he was a kid that would come yeah. in <laughs> yeah he and, kept he moved into his brother's room eventually and kept one thing on the wall the poster of a black lamborghini that he said he was going to own buy one by age 25 they never uh, bought it then he didn't buy it when he had the means to do it i loved this part uh about mike clark the story of mike clark the georgia tech uh guy that hosted uh duvall on his official visit yes so so, and i think this just like is like certain guys have like the greatness dna you know and the mentality and this like elicits why duvall was great Mike Clark, a returning veteran on the Georgia Tech's golf team, had taken David to a frat party during his recruiting visit. That was his first mistake. Then came his second. We've got four really good golfers coming back, Clark said. All we need is a good number five, and we've got a hell of a team. (laughs) If I come here, I won't be number five, David said. I plan to be number one. He enrolled at Tech and shocked his new teammates once more. He wanted his picture on the cover of the media guide his freshman year. Maybe so if he and that swing of his were on it, no one, uh, no one would dream of how miserable and unfamiliar made him. Uh, the unfamiliar made him. How close he was to leaving school and turning back. So, just. I mean, he goes to Georgia Tech, and he's. I mean, he's a prick. Right. But this is someone who's just he didn't. So his brother dies. His family falls apart. He does. So he like all he does is golf. He doesn't go to prom. He doesn't. He has like a couple close friends that don't go to his high school. He doesn't like do anything but grind on the golf course. And, you know, here's Gary Smith at the start. He goes at the start of the article. uh, If life were fair and people got what they deserved, then the boy was guilty. He deserved a dead brother and a sledgehammered family because something was wrong with him, dreadfully, all the way down to his marrow. If there were no justice in the universe, then you built up no points for pleasantries, small kindnesses, and gestures. All that was wasted motion. So he's thinking about Duval, Duval's approach here, where he's just, it's just golf and everybody else, fuck, you know, screw everybody else. If nothing was fair, then you got whatever you settled for or whatever you took. And this was an awesome quote. You can level your own playing field by realizing that life only becomes fair when you realize it's unfair. Somebody who's like worldview is shaped obviously by a lot of tragedy around him as a kid. Yeah. Um, so he goes to Georgia Tech and he is like this loner. It, he doesn't fit in well with the team team setting at all. Not at uh, all. They I like want to be on the cover it. of the media guide. 
You know, at David's first ACC tournament, Duvall's first ACC, he plays second and his team tied for fifth. Trip Eisenhower comes up to him. He goes, David, you played great. That was awesome. Duvall responds, yeah. If I had teammates worth a shit, we would have won the damn tournament. His first ACC tournament. In the 91 ACC tournament, he was, gets pissed off that, he, uh, that the team wins and he wins medalist because it was washed out. Co-medalist. Like, I think it was co-medalist. So that's he, what I was, that's he had burnt. I think he, he. I think it said he burned like five of his first seven holes or something, and, and then his, it got rained out. Slams his hand on the table while his teammates are celebrating their ACC title. He's pissed. Um, I thought this was funny. His teammates called him the Penguin. Yeah, because he carried extra weight, which made no sense. He streamlined himself in every other way, <laughs> unless those pounds had a purpose that no one, not even he, was aware of. As one more warranty that no one would get too close, intimating that he didn't date really in college. One of the things, though, was he was like inept that his teammates hated him. He didn't even know. Well, there were two teams, right? Yeah. I mean, like basically the coach was it Puggy Blackman? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like he would, the four other players, whoever else would like get their own car, their own hotel rooms, and then it would just be the Blackman, Puggy, and Duval doing their own, going to dinner going to the hotel like it was just like kind of became like a two teams it was Duval and then everybody else and they hated them um so he's like starts to open up a little bit i love this article this this bit the day after the ncaa tournament a story appeared in the courier journal so he's kind of starting to open it up be a little bit more friendly reporter took three events he had witnessed during the final round david telling an appointment David telling an opponent on the fairway to move his golf bag out of David's sight line, David spitting out apple chunks, and David urinating in a stand of trees 40 yards off the fairway rather than waiting in line at the bathroom. And he delivered them this article to the public in the harshest light. Florida newspaper picked up the story. Eyebrows shot up. Athletic director at at Tech asked David for an explanation. Um, So this like sent David back into like, I hate the world sort of thing. So David tucked this article inside the cover of his day planner and began a ritual. Each year when the calendar ran out, he would transfer the article to the fold inside the next year's calendar cover. A reminder to refortify his guard. So it's like he starts to open up a little bit with his teammates, become a little bit less of a loner, a little bit less of a prick. And somebody in the Courier Journal writes about these three incidents, spitting out apple chunks, telling an opponent to move his bag, and he just goes back to being like, I don't, I don't trust the world. So, uh, anything else from the the Smith article? It just defi- the it, it sort of encapsulates him. Makes you understand. It's it's crazy that he now talks on TV for a living. You know, because well, even this guy he, was a, like a loner prick. Yeah, I was going to talk about. Uh, we mentioned kind of the breaking up of that eight year relationship as part of his downfall. And I read somewhere it might have been the Smith article, but that basically he had been with this person for so long and like it wasn't really going well, but didn't feel like he deserved to be happy. And so finally he had this breakthrough. He was like, you know, I deserve to be happy and I'm going to end this miserable relationship. That's they're already making wedding plans, that kind of stuff. Just this, that it shows this sort of like for a long time, their life was not a happy existence uh, for Duval in his younger years. And, and it seems like he has it now, but just with all the burdens that he was carrying throughout from that childhood that uh, he was just, dealing with carrying like so much he's the howard rourke of golf 
right? Because he was so into the fountainhead. He loved being called that. And he turned to the college golf fellowship, got in it. Like, so he's kind of always like battling different philosophies, right? Battling different, like, I don't know, worldviews or operating philosophies, right? I just, it's, he's not a simple, I guess it's oh, just, he's three dimensional. It's like what yeah. you want from a star player, though. It's why people love Rory. Like, and, but everybody just assumed for so long he was two dimensional, right? He's just yeah. this, this jerk in the sunglasses who tells his teammates, to, uh, I don't know, like they would talk about it in the Smith article, they would announce him on the tee or, you know, he would just say, yeah, and just play away. Like he, he wouldn't say thank you, wouldn't really, didn't do pleasantries, didn't do anything, barely talk, wore the sunglasses, hat low, shirt buttoned to the neck. But there's like a there's like a lot of personal tragedy that that kind of impacted that. The biggest takeaway we were talking about all this is I was like, man, I would read a David Duvall autobiography. Yes. Yep. All right. Anything else? We haven't discussed the ninety one. What? We didn't discuss the ninety one. Oh, what was the ninety one? Oh. When he when he played better than Tiger last year. The big Go thing ahead. for me that I think and he won a lot of fans was that was. He, you know, he finished out, he came Friday, he played and he had the quotes, you know, you have an obligation as a professional to post your score. I teed off in the open today and I shot 90. So put it on the board. Like he just was no nonsense about it. Uh, the 14 was the highest score in the open since 1983 when the tour started keeping hole by hole records. Next highest was an 11. Uh, he said, I've posted 85 twice. I've never posted 90. It was later changed to 91 because basically the, uh, there was such a mess around how many lost balls there were. And uh, he, he played a wrong ball, hit a couple shots with it. You have to go. I mean, it was a mess. And that's why the score was changed after he signed his card. Uh, but yeah, I, he owned it. And I think that's what people appreciated that about it. I mean, since, I don't know, this whole decade, he had T49. That was his only time he made the cut. And he, two WDs, um, and missed cuts. That's also, he birdied his first two holes in his 91. <laughs> he was two under after two. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. That's, we talk why, about- that's why he played better. He had some, you know, relevance in the tournament. Just read the Gary Smith article. We've already recommended it many times, but I think it will make you appreciate the person. You want to know who I think I, I, comp- I, I thought of this in David Duvall's let's, career. Let's remi- do it. Remi- Legacy. Reminds me a lot of Derek Rose, who is very near and dear to my heart as a former Chicago Bull season ticket holder. MVP. Um, I mean, young MVP. Like you're you're watching this kid, and you're like, "Holy cow, he's one of the best players in the league, and he might be one of the best players ever." You know, on the trajectories on youngest MVP of all time, and then all of a sudden, like it's just gone. You're yeah. just it. You know, and. He kept playing, but it was he, he's never the same. He had obviously Rose had a good good year this year, but you just know he'll never be what he was. But when he was who he was, there was no doubt what he was like one of the five best players in the league, you know. And for Duvall, like one of the best players in the game of golf. Is there anyone right now that could be the Duvall? Because I thought about it, and like a lot of people say Day. I wonder. Day had that eighteen months. Yeah. I wonder about Speed. I know Speed won three majors, but like, <laughs> I mean, a boatload of PGA Tour wins. The best player in the world. Uh, he's got more majors. He's 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 
he's got a probably better resume than Duvall, but like, uh, and he's not off the cliff like Duvall fell off yet, but uh, it's in there. It's, it's possible like in terms of talent and just all the different games, of course, Duvall was real power. Um, is that crazy? I don't think it is at all. I, I, I was thinking about that today too. Is like, it's kind of eerily similar. Early um, success, right? Like real early, like, yeah. you know, uh, a, a five year, like a, a five year window where you're like, holy shit. And he's, he's like Johnny Miller. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Miller not- had that dominant stretch where he was like winning. I mean, he won a tournament by 14, I believe another one by 11, uh, he won two majors, obviously, but I mean, him and Johnny Miller are pretty close as far as the length of their windows. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Miller's a little bit longer, but I mean, it was very Johnny Miller, especially just flagging it. Uh, it's just known for, you know, putting up ridiculous scores and dominating fields. I think right. th- this is this generation's what if the player that elicits the most reaction and, and wishing that you'd seen more of them, you know? Yeah. And also, you don't you don't see the crazy club changes, and maybe you do a little bit, but I mean, you do have to wonder how much going to a company that had never made golf clubs before uh, added to this, and maybe the solid core golf ball. Yeah. All right, so he's in Andy's Hall of Fame. He's in my Hall of Fame. Smarten, any? I mean, oh yeah. I, okay. I I was surprised. I put it, I did a poll on Twitter last year about it, and it was like seventy five percent in favor. Um, what say say you could only put one in between him and Omira? Who are you putting in? Oh come on, let's not. I just want to put a on this, like, put a put head a to, put a tie. These, but these two, as much I mean, you guys are going head to head, obviously. But these, it's a great argument of like longevity versus peak, and what the hall. I mean, you see it in all the other halls of fame as well. You see it a lot in baseball. Is it the peak? you were a dominant hitter for five years or is it you had a 15 to 20 year career and you racked up all the counting stats like 3000 hits and yeah etc yeah but their peaks were in the same year their peaks were in the same year omira won uh, two majors and and but what i'm saying is for four years garden for four years duvall was like unquestionably a top five player in the game of golf and omira had two he got popped onto two leader boards and won twice and like that his was more of a 25 year i popped on and i took advantage of two chances like yeah. that's that's yeah. the way i like omira was never really poo-pooing a guy that birdied the last two holes to win the master I, I, like, like he backdoored into no, it no but there's this there's a thing about being a guy that's always going to be there Versus a guy that gets there and takes advantage. Obviously, winning is a huge skill, but like, I think from the standpoint of you go twenty five. I I just think when you're looking, if you're trying to really accumulate the greatest players, you have to look past just like the longevity stats. Like the fact that Duvall in a, essentially a four year career had almost as many weeks in the top five as Omira did in a twenty five year career in the top ten. That's crazy that shows the that's the stark difference right you know omir uh, duval has more top tens and majors in four years than omir had in his entire career all right smart any parting thoughts uh right. just i think that i think of as like our johnny miller or this generation's or a later generation's johnny miller yeah that's a, that's a good 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 comp. comp good comp all right 
Everybody, thank you for indulging us. This is a long one. I feel like I left a lot on the cutting room floor. We'll post links and stuff to some of the sources here that we recommend you read You know, to, uh, in addition to this. If you want more Duval content, which I recommend reading, certainly. Uh, all right. We will be back on Friday. Thanks again to Sean Martin for joining us. What, what is your Twitter handle at? PGA, uh, PGA Tour S Martin or PGA Tour Smartin. Some people like to pronounce it. Yeah, follow Sean. He will uh, enrich your golf, golf consuming life. Uh, all right, we'll be back with you guys on Friday. Thanks.